Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you and praise you for today that you open up our hearts to receive your word, that your word is manna, it's bread of life, it's practical, it becomes part of who we are, that your word is also seed planted deep in the good soil of our hearts and produces life in us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher, teach us what we need to know, prepare us for what is coming in our lives, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. And today I want to talk to you about how you can stir up hope and expectation by beginning to see God in all of the small ways. And so often we want the big things, the big moves of God. But before we can see the big moves of God, maybe we need to start to recognize God in the small moves. When David was about to fight Goliath, which was going to be a big move of God, the king heard this, this boy bragging about how he could defeat the giant, this little boy that the king did not hardly know, and calls him into court with the king and lets him try on his armor, and then even makes David champion of Israel to go ahead and fight that Goliath and represent the armies of Israel. That was a small move of God. We look at that and we go, that's a miracle. How would this boy get audience with a king to fight a giant? Many times people miss the small ways that God is moving. We want the, the walls of Jericho. We want the, the big things. We want the parting of the Red Sea. But it starts with small things. Don't miss God in the little things. Birthing a vision starts with a seed conceived in your heart. A seed is a small thing. And don't miss the Holy Spirit because sometimes it's a still small voice. My dad tells the story, and he's, he and my mom right here, I honor you guys. They founded this church in 1986. <laughs> you know, with, without this story, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't be standing here today. This wouldn't be all here. And the story is, is, is that my dad was in Janesville, Wisconsin in 1977, in January, and it was freezing cold, 30 below zero. And he heard a still small voice that said this, move to Arizona. <laughs> and he came inside. And he said to my mom, I think I heard God say, move to Arizona. She was like, okay. <laughs> About three months later, nothing had changed. My mom came to my dad and said, if we're going to move to Arizona, see, she'd been thinking about it. If we're going to move to Arizona, we have to sell the house first. We have to sell the house first. And so my dad said, well, and he'd been starting to doubt that voice because we all do. We wonder if that voice was God or not. It's small. He began to doubt it, and he'd known nothing but Wisconsin his whole life, and Felt pretty safe and secure there, knew his way around, didn't know anything about Arizona, didn't know anyone in Arizona. And so he said, I'll tell you what, if someone comes to us and says, you know, if someone comes to me and says, I want to buy your house, then I'll sell the house and we can move to Arizona. He said, but right now I got to run up to the hardware store and get a lock for the garage. So out he goes and gets to the hardware store and runs into one of his students. He's a college professor and this college student came up to him who had recently been married and said, you know, me and my new wife have been thinking about getting a house, and we just love your house. <laughs> and he said, so if you ever want to sell your house, we'd like to buy it. My dad said his jaw just dropped. You've got to be kidding me. He said, well, I was just saying to my wife, maybe we should sell the house and move to Arizona. And the boy said, reached into his wallet and pulled out $3 and said, here's a down payment for your house. <laughs> now, $3 doesn't seem like a lot of money, but back in those days, you could buy a car with $3. 
I'm sorry for that, Father. On the way home, here comes that voice from the devil saying, that's just a coincidence. That's not God. But my dad chose to see that move as a move of God. And sometimes I think we see moves of God, but we don't recognize them as moves of God. The small moves of God, if you'll look at them and you'll attribute them to God and give God glory for those things, they can stir your hope and expectation, which is what he did. When he had that happen, he saw it as a move of God, and he stirred his hope and expectation that the first word he received really was from God, and that they would move to Arizona. Give the Lord some praise, because the, the rest is history, as they say. In 1 Kings chapter 18 is where we're going to be today, and we're going to talk about Elijah for a moment here. And it hasn't rained in three years, and Israel's in a famine. And God visits Elijah and says, I'm going to make it rain. And so Elijah, in verse 41... Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink. Now, Ahab's the king. And so when you're in a famine, you would be rationing your food and your water. And so Elijah's saying, go up and eat and drink. Like, the, the famine's over, in other words. For there is the sound of abundance of rain. What is he doing? The prophet has just declared something that's happening that's not happening. Because if you look to the sky in this moment, it was a clear blue sky. There was no sound of rain. There was no look of rain. And so... The king Ahab went up, and he ate and drank, but Elijah climbed Mount Carmel. And the Bible says, as it goes on in verse 43, he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And the servant came back and said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab the king, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Seven times he prayed and nothing moved. On the seventh time, there's a small cloud the size of a man's hand. That doesn't sound like an answer to prayer. It sounds like a failure. But Elijah didn't pray until it rained. He prayed until he saw a small, what might seem inconsequential movement, a change in the circumstance. Just a small move of God was enough for Elijah to say, we better roll. Let's get out of Dodge. And where the, the servant might have said, I see a small hand like the size of a man's hand, I believe Elijah was saying, no, I don't see a man's hand. I see the hand of God is bringing something now. It's coming and you can't stop it. Sometimes these small movements, we don't see them, but the prophet is teaching us something. And consider for a moment what others might have saw as a failure, but consider for a moment how he prayed. The Bible says that he went bowed down and he put his head between his knees. I'm just going to take a moment to show you what that might look like. With his head down here, he can't see nothing. And he didn't move from that position. And he said to the servant, you go look and tell me what you see. But he wouldn't look with his own eyes. Why? Because your eyes will lie to you. They'll look up and see that nothing's changing and they'll send you doubt. And so he refused. What was he doing? He was picturing a heavy rain. He was visualizing that thunder. He was visualizing the rain coming. And he wouldn't look up. And he wouldn't look up and he just kept saying to the, to the servant. The servant comes back after the first time. There's nothing. And he goes, go check again. 
comes back a second time. There's still nothing. Go check again. The third time he comes back, there's nothing. Go check again. The fourth time he comes back, there's nothing. Go check again. Pastor, I prayed for my healing, but nothing changed. Go check again. Pastor, I prayed over my finances, but they look the same. Go check again. We have to have the kind of fervor that keeps praying and believes God over the the circumstance. Nothing changed. Go check again. Somebody needs to get up right now and go check again. You need to check your circumstances one more time. And if nothing's changed, then go check again. Why? Because our God's word is true. And if it hasn't happened yet, you just go check again. I think sometimes we give up too easy. We say, I don't see nothing. Nothing's changed. But when we do see something, we don't see it as enough. Never enough. It's not enough, Lord. It's just a small cloud. What's a small cloud going to do? And that this small cloud would form up and the wind started to blow. People would have seen Elijah just running by down the mountain. He's just running. Where's that dude going? What, what is he running from? But then the sky grew dark and the thunder started to rumble. And everybody's phones in Israel, the Bible says, began to sound the emergency. <laughs> That's in Hebrew. You have to dig for it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, drip, drip, drip. You know, no matter how heavy a rain is, it always starts with a drip, drip, drip. It starts small. We need to imitate Elijah in this and begin to see God in the small ways. Maybe a parking space opens up for you. You've had a bad morning. It's been awful, but then there it is. Thank you, Lord, for your favor. Maybe somebody just opens the door for you. It's just a small thing. Thank you, Lord, the tide is changing. Something's moving. Maybe there's just a small move in your finances. Maybe a small move in your health. Some, some, some symptom got a little bit less worse. It's just a small move. Drip, drip, drip. It's just the size of a small man's hand, a small cloud in the sky. But I see God in it, and I know the tide has changed. It's turning my way. And when a tide changes, you may not notice it right away, but that water was receding. It's no longer receding anymore. It's beginning to come back your way. Pastor, I've been visualizing my prodigal son. He's been running from God. He's addicted, or he's, he's running around with the wrong girl, and I haven't heard from him in weeks. I've been seeing him back in and praising God. I've been visualizing it with, with detail, Pastor. I've, I'm getting clarity for the vision. It's changing how I feel. And I picture him worshiping God. And I picture him back with the Lord. And I've got the, I've got the robe already. I've got the ring ready. I've got the fatted calf ready. But it's not happening. And then all of a sudden, he calls. And then when he calls, he tells you, I don't want nothing to do with your God. And I don't want nothing to do with that church. But he called. Drip. 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 You might get off the phone and you could be defeated and say, oh, he said all the wrong things. Or you could get off the phone and go, oh, he called. <laughs> I see the hand of God beginning to move on his heart. He called his mama. He's starting to turn around. I can hear the rain coming. Somebody get excited because the tide has turned and my God has begun to move on my behalf. My prayers are being answered. But so many people abort. They abort what God's beginning to do because they, they don't see it. They don't recognize it. You have an opportunity to stir up your hope and your expectation with those small moves of God. You may as well do it. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10 says, For who has despised the day of small things? Not God. 
God finds small things, the, the ones no one counts, the Davids in the shepherd field that's been rejected by his own father and family, and he makes them a king. God finds a woman, a prostitute, who's running a house of prostitution, a foreigner in, a, in the walls of Jericho, and he grabs her and he calls her in his word, a great woman of faith, and he makes her in the lineage of Jesus Christ and brings her into his own household. I see a God who takes what everyone rejects, the small things. I see a God, a, a Jesus, who, who says, see this small seed, the mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds? God loves to use the smallest of things. Look who he makes a pastor. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. So we also need to, to have that same mindset. When, when Jesus was trying to feed 5,000 a big miracle, one that's told in all four Gospels, when Jesus is trying to feed 5,000, he says to his disciples, what do we have? Well, there's a small boy who brought not enough food, just a couple of pieces of bread and a few fish. But Jesus sees the hand of God and what the, the disciples see as pointless in defeat. Jesus sees the hand of God moving as he grabs up that bread and fish and he looks to heaven as though it's enough and he thanks God for something that isn't enough in our eyes, but Jesus knows that I've got to see the small move of God if I want to see the big move of God. I've got to be thankful for the little things if I want to see the big things in my life. And so he gets thankful for something that's not enough and what does God do? He multiplies it into more than enough. 5,000 were fed that day, but I want you to know something. It was more than 5,000. The Bible says they only counted the men. You see, they didn't even count this little boy who was the part of the miracle. He wasn't even counted. Because why? Because what the world doesn't count, God looks for and counts. And if you have felt like you haven't been counted, I want you to know that God has been looking for you because he's causing you to count. Give the Lord some praise right now. You felt like you were small, but just, just know that God loves that. He loves that. There was a woman that came up just last week and fantastic woman of God, woman of faith, and she said, my knee's hurting, will you pray? I can't put hardly any weight on it at all. And so Pastor Kelly and I prayed for the knee. Be healed, knee. Father, heal this knee. In Jesus' name, knee be healed. Thank you, Lord, for healing the knee. I said, now move it around a little bit. Now check it. Is it 5% better? Is it 10% better? Is it 50% better? I look for small moves of God because I know that God finishes what he starts. Just tell me that there's a small move. She's begins to move it around. She goes, it's 100% better. <laughs> Praise God. I like it when God does more than I ask, think, dream, or imagine. In another story, back in November, I prayed for a woman, one of our service leaders. She's got, she used to have uh, incredible arthritis, uh, very acute, and uh, she came up for prayer on a Wednesday night, and her hand would not open her clothes into a fist, and it, it kind of was stuck in this position here, and as I prayed for her healing, I said, what do you want? She said, I want healing for my arthritis. So I said, let's, let's see it healed then. In Jesus' name, be healed. And then I said, now check your hand. You know, it still wouldn't move. And I said, you know, tomorrow it's going to start moving a little more. And then I said to her, and in five days, you will notice a big difference. So the next day, she checked herself, and she noticed a little bit of a difference. And she used that little bit of difference as a small move of God. And it stirred her hope and expectation just like it's supposed to. She didn't say, oh, it's not my aid, or it just happens to be different. She could have aborted what God was trying to do, but she didn't. She saw it as the hand of God. 
And then the second day was a little better. The third day was a little better. The fourth, she kept saying, on the fifth day, on the fifth day, she said to her husband over and over again, on the fifth day, on the fifth day, she noticed she was getting up and sitting down without any problem at all, and she could do this. She came running in on Sunday, and she said, Pastor, look, I can do it with my hand. Look at this. She was opening and closing her hand. I spoke to her this morning. She said this morning she was trying to put her boots on, and her, her husband came over, let me help you with that, and she swatted his hand away. She said, nope. I could put on my own boots. She is seeing a full healing. Why? Because she began to see the small moves of God. Somebody say amen. amen. We've got to let the small things in, in, of God stir up our faith. Back to Elijah for a moment. The rain came and ended three years of famine. Listen, church. We have seen three years now of famine. That's enough. And I believe in November, I heard a word from the Lord that for this body, the famine is over. And I have prayed for you, and I see a small cloud in the sky. And it's the move of God. He's got a big rain. He's going he's gonna to rain cats and dogs on your famine. Somebody say amen. You're like, I'm a cat lover. Well, I'm sorry. You probably like country music, too. We're going to pray for you. You've been praying for God's hands on your finances. Lord, to help my finances. You've been praying. And you even started tithing. You started tithing. It's a big year for you. You started tithing. And the boss gave you a 25 cent an hour raise. And you come home and you say to your spouse, I've been working for that company and I've been so faithful. And they give me 25 cents an hour. It's a slap in the face. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't abort it. It might be something small. But it's an indication of a drip, drip, drip drip. It's beginning to rain. Begin to see every little bit of God's favor on your life. Begin to see. If you'll see every good thing that happens to you as the hand of God moving in your life, and you give him glory for it, there is no limit to how high he will take you. Because why? Because it's him moving in your life. You've been in a health famine. You prayed on Sunday. You awoke Monday feeling a little better, maybe 2% better. Drip, drip, drip. Don't see it as inconsequential. Begin to see it as the hand of God moving in your life. Don't miss the little moves of God or you, sh you could short circuit the whole thing. Imagine if Elijah had got up and he heard from the servant, there's a small cloud the size of a man's hand and he'd have done like most of us would do. Well, that's not enough. What's a small cloud gonna do? I prayed for rain and all I get is a small cloud. Forget about it. He'd have aborted what God was trying to do in his life. Come on, somebody. We have to see what God is doing and let it stir up our hope and expectation. If you're going to bring breakthrough, if God's going to bring breakthrough down like buckets, it's going to start with us seeing the small moves of God. Maybe your relationship's been up against the ropes. Your marriage has been, it's like in a boxing match. It's like round nine and you're, and you're losing. But then all of a sudden, he reaches over and he takes his little pinky and he just kind of brushes your hand a little bit like this. And you could pull your hand away and punish him for being rude. He deserves it. Or you could look at what he's doing as a drip, drip, drip. God is moving on his heart and he's causing and stirring him up towards you. And God is about to bring your marriage into a great thunderstorm. Come on, somebody. He's about to rain his abundance on your life and bring back that romance and that fire that you desire. Drip, drip, drip. Praise God. What we are doing is we're readying our vision for greater clarity. 
for God to bring greater clarity in your life, hope and expectation of the vision, we need to learn this principle that God's hand moves sometimes in very small and subtle ways. In April 1932, John Cockcroft and Ernest Walton were the first two scientists to split an atom. The word atom actually means indivisible. It's held together very tightly in atom, very difficult to split. But when they split that atom in 1932, it released so much power that it startled the world. You see, an atom is made up of these components in the quantum physics world that repel each other. If you look at an atom and what it's made of and the electrical charges of an atom, it should not hold together. It makes no sense at all to scientists how it's held together because it should be flinging off, just like the planet should fling off into outer space, but we have gravity. And so they, they looked at what an atom, what's holding it together. They found four forces that hold the atom together. One of them is gravity. And we know how powerful gravity is because it can hold the planets in space in the solar system as they orbit. That's powerful. But they found that it wasn't enough power to hold an atom together based on the elements that, that were provided. They have no explanation, really. They cannot describe the source of the power. They have a few hypotheses, but the source of the power that holds an atom together, they don't know. But I can tell you how big it is. It's not just greater than the, the, the gravity, which would be a lot. But it's not just six times greater than gravity, which would also be a lot. It's not just 6,000 times greater than gravity, which would be a lot. But it's 6,000 trillion, trillion, trillion times greater than the force of gravity that holds an atom together. There's no explanation for that kind of power. Except for in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says that Jesus is the reflection of God's glory and the exact likeness of his being, and he holds everything together by his powerful word. The only way you can describe that kind of power is God's word. And yet, scientists, atheists will look at that power and, and they won't attribute it to God. They're looking right at God in that small way, but they won't give him... That's like standing on top of Mount Everest at 29,000 feet and deciding that there's no such thing as a mountain. That's like standing underneath Niagara Falls while the water pours down on you at 3,160 tons per second and deciding that there's no such thing as water. When you look at an atom and what holds it together in that small way, you can see God right underneath their noses and they won't attribute that power to God. Why? Because it's so easy to overlook the small things and to not see God in the small ways. But let us not be like that. Let us be a people that see God in the small ways. I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want us to begin to see God in all the small things. Look at your life right now. Let's get grateful, church. Where is God moving in your life? Look for him. Let's get grateful and thankful. Let's stir our hope and expectation right now. You being here in God's house is me seeing God move in small ways. Because I guarantee you, Satan didn't bring you here today. He did everything he could to stop you from being here. But you were led by the Spirit of God to come to his house today. You are exactly where God's positioned you right now. That's God moving. It's raining outside. On a weekend, I decided to preach on raining. When I woke up this morning, you can ask my wife, I got in the car and I said, this is God moving in a small way. He made it rain just for my sermon. She just laughed at me, but I choose to see it as the hand of God anyways. I'm not going to call it inconsequential. I just thank God for all the small ways that he moves. Check your symptoms right now. Is there something 5% better, 10% better? God's moving in your midst right now. The famine is older, over. Check your lungs. Are you still breathing? 
Did you wake up this morning? Come on, somebody, get grateful for our God. That's the hand of God telling us we got more to do. The famine is over for the children of God. Somebody say amen. Check your God for a moment. Check your God. Is he still the God who created the universe? Is he God of the heavens and the earth? Is he a God who loves you since that he sent, he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you? That he might put his unlimited power and spirit on the inside of you and call you the temple of the Holy Spirit? Is he the same God who still redeems? Is he the same God who still restores? Is he the same God who still heals? Is he the same God that puts his hand of blessing and favor on your life? Is he still that God? And is he with you? And he'll never forsake you? And is he leading you into a new land full of promises? And did he promise you that he would make you joint heirs with Christ Jesus? Did he make you a child of God and bring you into the kingdom of God? Somebody get excited for seeing God move in your life already. Praise the living God. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for anybody who's been suffering from any kind of autoimmune situation. The Lord is healing that. He's healing that this weekend. Maybe you've been diagnosed with some kind of brain thing, a tumor or something. Maybe you've been diagnosed with with some kind of nervous system issue or some kind of uh, autoimmune system issue. That God's healing that this morning. And so if that's you, I want you to receive your healing. If you are not one of those people, then pray with me and agree with me. We're going to pray corporately now over those who are, who are suffering in this way. And in the mighty name of Jesus, pray. I pray right now over this people, Father God, that there are none sick among us. And anyone that's been diagnosed with any kind of autoimmune problem, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we speak from the throne room, seated next to Christ. Lord Jesus, use my mouth right now and declare it in Jesus' name. Be healed. Be healed. Autoimmune, get out of this house. You cannot stay here. If you've been suffering with some kind of brain injury or some kind of brain thing that they diagnosed with you, that's, God, I just pray restoration right now over every brain problem in here in Jesus' name. Alzheimer's as well, dementia, in the name of Jesus. Every kind of brain disorder now, in the name of Jesus. I declare the mind of Christ over this body and our brains are made new and completely restored. Sickness, get out. Tumor, get out in Jesus' name. Brain, be healed in the name of Jesus. Nervous system, be healed. In Jesus' name, I see new nervous system growing inside you right now. Everything comes into order. Every cell in your body becomes obedient to the word of God. Do not disobey cells. Be obedient in Jesus' name. Bodies, be healed in Jesus' name. Give the Lord some praise right now. Healing went out. Receive it and thank him for it if that's you. Sorry, I got distracted. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, thank you. Thank you, Father, that we're all seeing now you move in the small ways. That we're going to see it everywhere we go. Every small thing that happens, we're going to see that's God moving. God's turning the tide. God's blessing me. God's moving on my behalf. That's the favor of God. I just saw it. You could be seated. Did you receive something today? I just encourage you. Be a generous people. There's lots of ways that you can give and sow. And partner with us to help us reach more people with this word. Livingwordgive.com is a great place to start. If you're here today and you do not know 
what eternity looks like for you. If you were to face eternity today, would you be at peace with God and do you know where you would go? Here's the good news. God has already offered the gift of eternal life, salvation to anyone who will believe. And you might say, believe what? Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for your sins and rose from the dead. Make him the Lord of your life. And you can be saved. And today, before you go home, you can know where you will spend eternity. Everyone repeating after me this prayer, mean this prayer. Dear Father God, forgive me of all my sins. And Jesus, I believe in you. You're the Son of God who died for sin and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time or maybe you came back to the Lord, the most important thing I can tell you is be back in church next week. Do church 12 weeks in a row. We call it the church challenge. You will be amazed at what, what God does in your life after 12 weeks of being in the right message and around the right people. And get to know these people. We should know each other. Press into each other. There's treasure in this room. There are divine connections and divine relationships in this room. Amen.